Well, good morning. All right. You know, this started out just a little bit challenging this morning. Um, normally what happens on Sunday morning is when I get here kind of early and I take my uh, uh, computer and I kind of download everything and I send it off to the copier and the copier copies out my kind of notes for the talk in the morning and then I kind of go through that and outline it a little bit, just, you know, hit some highlights, but none of the printers would work with my computer today. So I was like kind of frantic to try to get my notes other than holding my computer up here and talking. So we got it finally all worked out and, and got to put, when that stuff happens, sometimes it kind of puts you on edge. <laughs> so it's a little bit goofy and, and, uh, and that, but that, those things happen in life. Gene called me this week and uh, for those of you who don't know me that well, Gene's my wife and, and really I live in Sacramento. I'm just sort of Passing through. Anyway, anyway, so I'm kind of uh, on loan for a little bit. Anyway, but um, Jean called me this week and she said, no electricity. And I'm like far away. I'm here. And uh, there's a distance there. And um, no electricity at my house, which is a little bit in the country, means no water. Because the pump to the pump house with the well runs the water that's electric. So no water, which means not only no electricity, no water, no cars getting out of the garage because there's electrical things that open the doors and the, the gate to our property, no gate opening. Okay, luckily we have a secondary gate and there was another vehicle outside the garage, but you know, one thing leads to another thing that leads to another thing. You know what I mean? That happens in life sometimes where things get a little bit out of control and uh, it can be like that. Well, anyway, before we launch in there, I just wanted to tell you, I got a new shirt, so, uh, which is kind of a big deal. So, uh, because I'm colorblind, not totally colorblind, I just see things in my own way that you don't normally see in the same way that I see them. So, I don't do like shopping on my own. I haven't done that for, you know, eons. And, and so, I, I go shopping with my wife or my kids to take me because they don't trust what I will get because... You have to have like a coordinated ensemble. Anyway, so I, I go and I'm, maybe I'm not there mentally, but physically I'm actually there and they pull things off the rack and they hand them to me and they hold them up to me and they go, go in the dressing room and try that on. So I, I do that for a bit and, and they're, they're trying to help me be a little bit more coordinated in sort of my uh, outfits that I wear. And if you're, it's different. Now, if you're not a colorblind person, you, you don't even think about this stuff. You don't think about this. When you get up in the morning and you've got to pull out stuff that you're going to wear, some people pull bizarre stuff, but most of the time you kind of get it. You kind of know that fits with that and all that kind of stuff. And you know, without even thinking, you kind of know that's going to work, goes with that color, going to go with that, with that grouping. Not so for the colorblind person. I'm just telling you right now, about 7 out of 10 males have some kind of color defect. But... Uh, totally colorblind would be just black and white and grays. I'm not that. I got color issues happening all over the place. But anyway, so, but for a colorblind person, you have to ask another set of questions. You can't just like pull this out because you think it looks good with that. Because I do that and my family goes, no, 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 dad or Scott, you can't do that. You can't wear that sweater with those pants. You can't, it doesn't go. It doesn't, it, it's not part of the ensemble. So anyway, but you ask another set of questions. You have to ask things behind. You ask things like, will this go with that? Now, if you've had these clothes for a while, you should kind of know 
Some people even mark them for you. You should kind of know what goes with what, right? You know what I'm talking about? Um, or you're asking, can I wear that with that? I can't remember. I'll give it a shot. I'll get out the door before they see me. That kind of stuff. You, but you're asking a different set. You have to rely on memory of what you think might go with what or your best guesses or whatever. And that happens. You're asking a different set of questions. And you know, in our, in our spiritual life, we, if you've been walking with God for a long period of time, you kind of know what fits in your spiritual life. And when we talk about Psalm 103 today, we're really talking about a psalm that's talking about renewal. The renewal, the spiritual renewal that happens within a person constantly, should be. What is renewing you? What is keeping you alive and fresh and alert? And so if you've been walking with God for quite a while, you may not even be thinking about some of the questions anymore. You just assume that this kind of fits with this in my life. Or you might say, well, I know that that really doesn't fit with that in my life, so I avoid that. Or maybe it kind of fits. I think I'm okay there. And you might sort of risk it a little bit in your life. If you're brand new and you don't really have much of a faith background, you're just kind of shopping around a little bit trying to figure who God is and what Jesus is all about, you might have to ask some secondary questions like, will this work in my spiritual life? If I were to engage God, would this fit? Would this fit with what God's design is for my life or not? How do I deal with this issue and sometimes we look to other people to help us along the way, no matter where we are in the spectrum of just getting to know God or been walking with God for a long time. We listen to other people that give us insights about, this is really a good thing. You might want to stay away from that. This isn't so healthy. Are you with me? But when we talk about renewal as a person and spiritual renewal in our life, we want God's Word to guide us because most of us would say today, I really desire a fresh touch of God in my life. And if it could happen today, I'd love it to happen today. I really don't want to wait to see that happen in my life. I'd really like that renewing of God's spirit, energy, power, resources for my life. I want to live into that. I want today, I want that to be fresh for me today. I don't want to let that go and maybe run into God somewhere along the line in the next week or month or year. I don't want to miss time with God. I really do want to experience the renewal of God in my life. Most of us, I believe, would say that. We want the dynamic presence of God active in our life, so we want to experience that renewing of God in our life. You know, if you're a parent of a junior high person, a middle school student, or you've been one, anybody, you know, had that experience in here? A few of you have. Lord bless you. Anyway, so here's the deal. You know, one of the events in life that shows more compassion, more love, um, more support and encouragement to that junior high age child, that sixth or seventh grader that you have in your life, one of the most important things that you can do, the most important events that you can attend that shows your love and compassion and support for them is to go to their very first orchestra recital. You know what I'm talking about here, okay? Some of you have been to those. If you haven't, you really need... There we go, light in here. The, uh, um, 
you really need to experience that. If you have grandkids and you haven't experienced that with your own kids and they're in orchestra or band, go. It's an incredible experience. Because when you go to that first recital at the very beginning of the year of orchestra for them, we know that the goal is that each student would know what instrument they're playing, which end to use, how it's supposed to function, but that they would actually be able to do it in such a way that it would make sounds that are appropriate at the right time with the right piece that's being played that fits in with all the other instruments, right? That's what the goal. The goal is that they actually make music that's somewhat understandable. And that it isn't just sounds bouncing off the wall. And by the way, if you continue on with that and you go to the year-end recital, it's far different. It's actually way better. Now, the, the person who's leading that is in the conducting or whatever is generally, that's the, that's the teacher, right? That's the teacher that's teaching the class, so they have kind of control over what's happening in the progress and all of that. But the outcome and the desired goal is that all those different pieces would play in such a way that there's a certain amount of harmony and you can distinguish what the actual song is. That's, the, that's kind of the goal. It's not, it's not the New York Philharmonic, but it is an attempt it is a movement in that direction. When we talk about our spiritual life, there are different pieces, there are different parts, there are almost kind of different orchestra instruments, sounds that are placed into every individual's life and when those things begin to play, we know it's important that they all participate in making that wonderful sound reflecting on the song, the score, and it comes alive, and, and then it moves us. But that's the hope. That's the hope. If you're following along with notes today, I just have kind of three things I want to hit on. You can pull those out and just follow with me as we go. The first is the setting of oneself. When we talk about spiritual renewal, how do we set ourselves? How does one set themselves up for renewal. How do we do that? What does it take to establish or reestablish your life for renewal, for God to actually move in your life and speak into it and guide you along the way? Most of us, as I said, would love for God to touch us in a way that is refreshing and restorative and moves us closer and deeper with Him. To have God's Spirit bring kind of that fresh breath into our life would be huge at any point, but particularly today. We would love to see that happen. One of God's greatest gifts, or one of the greatest gifts that God can give us, is to help us to recognize our need for renewal. Renewal means it happens time and again. It continues to happen. Renewal isn't just something that happened one time in your life. It's something that God wants to continually do. He wants to access your life in such a way that He can bring replenishment and restoration and fresh vision to your life all the time. Now, the psalmist would have been um, very, very well aware of the words of Moses when Moses said these things from Deuteronomy 6.5. If you remember, Moses wrote this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength or might. The psalmist was well aware of that saying. He'd memorized it, learned it from a childhood. Our entire being, to set oneself, our entire being on our love for God. 
perhaps our mind is a little bit of a, a, a gateway to that connection with God. It's interesting that the mind, that our minds are incredibly fertile places. In fact, just the wisp of a thought can flit through your mind and it can catch hold. And without much effort at all, it can sink some root into your thinking. And it will change your thinking. It can shift your thinking in a nanosecond. And you can engage with your mind in something that is very, very good for you or very destructive for you in an instant. If you're a visual person, it's the same thing. Most men are pretty visual. But if, a, if just a, a just, you just see an image for the briefest moment, that image can resonate with you and connect into your heart and soul, into your mind and your thoughts. And whether you know it or not, in just the briefest of time, it can connect with you for constructive areas or destructive areas. It is important for us to kind of get that in our head when it comes to the way we think and submitting our mind to God. I love what it says from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, one of my favorite verses. It says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Here it is. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Just think of those terms. We want to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Wow. How often our thoughts just run wild. They run scattered. They run without purpose. They lodge wherever they want to in our life. But Paul says, no, we take the effort to make our thoughts captive. The good ones so that they stay put and God can grow them. The bad ones so that they're captive and we can do away with them and not engage in them. That is a huge thing. You know, I want you, in just a moment, I want you to watch a video of John Ortberg and he's talking about the transforming of your mind. How is a mind transformed? How do we enter into a depth of relationship with God that creates space for us, solitude for us? It's a little bit long, but it's really, really good. And I want you to listen carefully as we watch this, this video. Can we show that? Okay, now, my spiritual life is just this uh, I have a quiet time that's this long. I have this list of activities to do. I can lose the point because the point is becoming a certain kind of person. You know, so what I always want to keep in mind is the goal is not to do these activities, but to become a person of love and joy and peace. Now, I think to do that requires a lot more experimentation than most of us think. So I would encourage myself and everybody here, just experiment. Experiment with different rhythms. Experiment with different practices. Have conversations with other people and be asking other people, what do you see in my life? That's part of like doing it in community. 
so that what I'm pursuing is, who's the person that I'm called to be? And then I ask God, and there ought to be an openness around, God may speak through another person, God may speak through a talk like this, but that's part of the adventure is, this isn't something that I'm engineer, this is something that God and I are doing together. That's very good. I got a follow-up question from the online folks. They say, so what if I get a solitude time going in my life, and during it, I feel bored? What do you do there? Yeah. Well, you know, that means you're going to hell, so that's a bad... <laughs> Good. Thank you for coming to our yeah. roundtable. Yeah. That's all we... No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will guarantee you'll feel bored. I will guarantee it. And that's a very good thing. Uh, wow. A couple good. words about boredom. Boredom is tremendously important. In the ancient world, they did not have a word for boredom. Hmm. Like, there is no ancient Greek word, any of you New Testament scholars, for boredom. Now, why is that? We look back at their world and we think, what a boring world. Like, no television, no movies, no radios, no iPods, no cell phones, you know. Why didn't they have a word for boredom? Well, one of the challenges in our day that is a much bigger challenge than was the case back in that day is... um, People used to have to take responsibility to exercise um, their capacity to focus attention. So, like, one of the things you had to do in the ancient world is, one of the reasons why people used to love to memorize, like, we look at those long, long lists of begats in the Bible and think, man, is that dull? But in our day, there are people who have memorized every episode of The Simpsons. In the ancient world, that stuff wasn't dull. That was the story, and they loved to be able to think about that. They actually would work. Memorizing was much more common back then than it is in our day. That's why the oral traditions were way, way more reliable than we tend to think they were. People used to realize they had to strengthen the muscles of focusing the attention of their mind so that when they were by themselves, when they were shepherding or whatever it is that they were doing, their mental experience was rich and full. Now, we live in a day when we depend on external stimulation to occupy our minds, and when we don't have external stimulation, then we get bored. In our day, the unaided mind tends toward fear and anger. Mm. Now, the way that Paul put that was, the sinful mind is death. That's the same point. So when I go into solitude, see, what happens is I am absenting myself from the props that keep my life scaffolded, and then I find, what do I have when there's just me and God? And a lot of that's going to be boredom, particularly at first. And then I have the chance to be alone with God and to say, now, God, how might I cultivate a mind where I'm able to be alone with you, unaided, and to have a mind that is full of rich, joyful, loving thoughts? And now that can be cultivated. That really can. And then people who live great lives, they have minds. Because that's why be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, solitude is the place where you begin to find out the truth about your mind. And most of us are so afraid of boredom that we're not willing to have that happen. And so we have to have music or we have to have a screen or we have to have something because you know, God forbid that we should be bored. Boredom is 
a fundamental necessity for spiritual growth. Solitude doesn't begin by transforming my mind. It begins by revealing my mind. Mm, that's good. And then, over time, my mind can be transformed. Well, I want you to notice two things at the very end that John Ortberg said that I think are incredibly important for us to catch on to. He said this, Solitude is the place where you begin to find out the truth about your mind. And that may be why for many of us we don't like to go there. But solitude creates space for God where God can actually speak into us and we've gotten rid of, like John Ortberg said, we've gotten rid of kind of the scaffolding and it's down to us and God. An ability for God to find out the truth about our mind and for us to find that as well. The second thing right at the end that he said that I think is brilliant is this. Solitude doesn't begin by transforming my mind. It begins by revealing my mind. Solitude begins by revealing my mind. Most of us have a fear of our mind, of going there, of being open with God, when God is like not about that at all. God wants us to open up who we are to Him. So when we get stuck in blandness, we need God's help to move us through that blandness. A new focus is revealed that puts God back on center stage when we allow God to be there. When we get through that blandness, that short-sightedness of our mind, the Holy Spirit creates a new hunger in our lives. How we can discover the secret of that ever-renewing spiritual life. How can we do that? What's the antidote to bland spirituality? How can we get out of the rut of being where we are and having a dynamic spiritual life with God? I'm going to put these two verses together in Psalm 103 because I think they fit really well. Verse 1 and verse 5, it reads like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. The psalmist's admonition to himself was to bless the Lord not only with part of who he was, but with all of his soul and all that was within him. The word all means or is translated all of my inward parts, all of who I am, all of the pieces fitting together, my entire ensemble, all of the orchestra pieces working together, every single part of them, all of it in our lives, fitting together, how important that is. Remember that illustration of the orchestra, not the junior high one, but even a seasoned one, whether it's the junior high orchestra or the Philharmonic in New York. They're trained, they're committed as one. Yet it, it takes the same thing, harmonious unison for them to make it work. For our spiritual renewal, each and every part of our inner being must be tuned together in order to complete the composition. Growth in spiritual vitality is the result of our uh, faculties being in tune and then driven by the conductor, who is God. Yet too often, our natures are disorderly, like a discordant orchestra. 
playing out of tune, out of rhythm at the wrong times, not playing the same song or score. And we wonder why our life isn't more and more on track with God. There's disharmony in us. Just again, Deuteronomy 6, 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. There's a book by Craig Rochelle. It's called um, Soul Detox. Clean Living in a Contaminated World. And there's a quote from this book that I want you to just listen to. Everything that we allow into our minds, hearts, and lives, everything that we spend our time and money on, has an impact on how we grow or don't grow spiritually. As the old computer adage reminds us, garbage in, garbage out. Just as we are what we eat physically, we are also what we consume spiritually. If we don't monitor and adjust our diet accordingly, our souls are in danger of absorbing more and more lethal poison. That's good, isn't it? It's who we are. The, the book Dallas Willard wrote called The Renovation of the Heart, he shares this insight. He says this, Christian spiritual formation rests on the indispensable foundation of death to self and cannot proceed except insofar as that foundation is being firmly laid and sustained. Death to self. That's why Paul talks about I die daily. I must die daily. For us to have a renewed sense of God in our life and experiencing God in any power in our life, we have to die to ourself. And we're reluctant to do that because we think we can pull certain pieces in that aren't healthy. They're not nutritional value for us spiritually, yet we seem to somehow think we can consume those and they won't affect us. But as the Apostle Paul would say, and so would Dallas Willard, we must die to self. I have to consistently and constantly remind myself that on my own, I'm attracted to the wrong stuff that is not healthy for me. Here's the second one, the secret of strength. What is the secret of having a renewed spiritual life? The promise in Psalm 103 is that we can have a renewed strength. It says this, they shall renew their strength. Is that a great promise or what? You and I can have renewed strength. We can be spiritually made stronger. We can have renewal flowing through our lives. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Well, a study of an eagle reveals that it does not have a self-renewing power on its own. Some believe that when it gets a new set of feathers, plumage, that it gains a renewed vigor. But I don't think that's what's going on here with the psalmist. I think here the psalmist seems to be referring to the, the strength and long life of the eagle and the amazing capacity to soar at great heights. And the secret of the, the eagle's power is not in its wings, but in catching onto the jet stream around it that allows it to soar to heights beyond itself and its capabilities or abilities. The spiritual connection for us is really easy to see. 
that on our own we don't have the capacity to soar in areas where God wants to take us. We need to get into the jet stream of the Spirit of God that moves us along to heights that we've never even experienced before. It's what God's designed us to do and be. It's how He says to us, that's why you need to be renewed so that you can experience what I have for you. And I want to renew you daily. I want you to soar with me. That's what's going on here. Our own strengths, we fall very short of that. But in God's strength, we become capable of divine thinking and living and expressing the life of God in a dynamic way in our own life. It's beyond us now, but God says when we're renewed, it's not beyond us. It's a connection with who God is. And all of those pieces of our renewed life, our mind, our strength, our soul, our thinking, our acting, are relating to people, are all tied together. And when one of them goes out, it affects all the others. When the electricity of relationship to God is out for you, the garage door is not going to open. There's going to be no water. There's going to be no renewal in your life and in mine. But those who wait on the Lord, check this out, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. Here's the third. The source of renewal. What is the source of renewal for us? Who satisfies your mouth, verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Kind of a strange imagery right there, isn't it? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your strength would be renewed like an eagle's. What is going on here? Well, what food does for the body, so too the inspiration of the Lord's Spirit does for our inner being. The nutrients and things that we gain from eating grow our body, develop our body, so too spiritual nutrition grows who we are. The Lord said to the prophet Ezekiel to eat this scroll, symbolically to consume the Word of God is what he meant. You need to consume the Word of God. To consume means to to meditate, and the word in, in Hebrew means to chew on, to ruminate on, to digest thoroughly the Word of God. That's a challenge for us, isn't it? To chew on the Word of God, to actually take time to meditate and ruminate on what God's Word is about. And in the process, the result of that ruminating on the Word of God is that our strength is renewed. Our spiritual strength is renewed with God. It doesn't mean that it reverses the aging process in us, but it does mean that we remain young at heart. Our joy in God is constantly renewed. We remember the initial experience we had with God. Now, if you can think back to that, or if that's happened recently for you, you might remember that when you first met God, when you first met Christ, maybe your life was spinning out of control. 
Maybe there were lots of questions. Maybe there were just broken things in your life all over the place. But when you finally said, I can't do it. God, if you're there, I need help. Jesus, come, because I don't know what to do. When you turn to God, immediately, for most people, there is a sense of relief when God lifts those burdens away from us. He breathes into us life and hope. He brings His very presence in us. There is a sense when we first meet God where that other stuff goes away. Because God enters into an open heart when we receive Him. If you remember back to that time in your life, you'll remember that sense of renewal in your life. That sense of freedom, that sense of joy, that freshness, that lightness of heart, and that dynamic of knowing that now you're not alone, that God is with you. Some Christians become spiritually old before their time because they lack spiritual nutrients. The spiritual nutrients that are necessary to grow them and develop them. And those spiritual nutrients are things like active ministry, committed fellowship with people, generous living and giving, interaction with the Scripture, ruminating on God's Word, personal relationship with God, time with God to experience the power of God, prayer with God, seeking God's future. It's kind of like the four food groups. I read this about the four food groups. Frozen, microwave, canned, and takeout. Someone said, I know the four food group. It's chocolate and three other things I don't care about. Whatever your four food groups are, they're there, right? The four food groups. You know, this week, early in the week, I met with uh, Pam Carlberg, who is a nutritionist and a part of our church, and I wanted her to help to assess my nutritional habits. So I had listed, before I met with Pam, I listed out what I eat for breakfast, what I eat for lunch, what I eat for dinner, and then things that I like to eat and things I don't like to eat, things that I like beverages that I drink. And I just kind of walked it through with her just basically to get a sense of am I in balance or out of balance? Am I, you know, consuming things I shouldn't be consuming? Do I need to add things into my life that I don't have going on? Am I in balance? I did kind of this nutritional assessment which was really pretty fun. It was really, really healthy. But we need to do that kind of nutritional assessment of our spiritual life as well. Am I getting the right nutrients? Are you taking in the things that you need to take in in your spiritual life? Are you refusing some things that you know are not healthy for you in terms of nutrition? And are you absorbing and leaning into and consuming the things that are really healthy for you? as spiritual nutrients. Do you have a vision for the future? Do you have a good memory of the past where God has taken you? Where God wants to take you? Right now, can you, can you remember God's forgiveness in your life? His healing in your life? The redemption from your destructive past that God has brought? The reception of his loving kindness in your life and His mercy toward you. Those are part of the nutrients to remember and absorb into your life. Will you and I savor the good things that God provides in our life? 
Will I experience life with Him that causes me to soar beyond heights that I thought possible? Not limited by my limitations, but unlimited with God's capacity for me. Do I desire that? Do I desire to live into the person God designed me to be? That's living in the jet stream of God's spiritual power, and that takes spiritual renewal consistently in life. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Wow. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. One of my favorite writers is a woman named Margaret Feinberg, and she's written a book called The Organic God. I like this book a lot. I'd recommend it to you. But in this book, Organic God, Margaret tells a story, a personal story of her own life where she went to a garage sale. And when she got to this garage sale, she looked around at all kinds of stuff. But whatever, when she, she, her, her, just her eyes settled in on a Bible. And she had Bibles, but she liked this Bible that was at this garage. She didn't know why. But she decided to purchase this Bible at this garage sale. It only cost her a dollar or two, but she bought this Bible. And there wasn't anything necessarily spectacular about the Bible, but for whatever reason, Margaret bought this Bible. She got it back home, and when she got it back home, she started to leaf through the Bible. And inside the Bible, she found a note, and she pulled out the note in the Bible. And this is what it said on the note. It said, Mr. Ashley, I don't... I know what I'm getting into, and I don't want to back out. Signed, Tina. I know what I'm getting into, and I don't want to back out. Tina. And Margaret thought about that. She thought, wow, I don't know these people. I'll never meet them. I know nothing about what they're talking about. But spiritually for me, it's like, you know what, God? I know what I've gotten into, and I don't want to back out. So Margaret took on that note and she wrote, God, I know what I'm getting into and I don't want to back out. And she signed it, Margaret. Isn't that great? A commitment to renewal in her life. So on your outline today, I put that down for you. So why don't you take that out? Just take it out right now. You'll see it right on there. Mr. Ashley, I, don't want, I'm, don't know, I know what I'm getting into and I don't want to back out, Tina. And then right below there it says, Dear Blank, you can write in Dear God. And if this is you today and you go, I need spiritual renewal in my life. I want this in my life. You could, just, you could just say with Margaret, but say it to God. Dear God, I know what I'm getting into and I don't want to back out and then sign your name. I'll give you a second to do that. If that's what God's asking you to do today, why don't you take a moment to do that. I know what I'm getting into and I don't want to back out. Hey, let's pray together. God, thank you that you are a God of renewal. And you knew that when we walked in here today, you wanted to bring renewal into each and every one of our lives. In whatever way that means. Maybe something small, maybe something large, but God, you desire renewal in us. 
You've designed it so that when we look to you, you can lift us up out of whatever we're facing. So my friends today, wherever you're at, why don't you just say that to God? God, I know what I've gotten into and I don't want to back out. You know what I'm carrying today, God, and I need to give it up. You know what I struggle with, God. You know my lack of time with you. You know my just my, my struggle with whatever it is I'm struggling with in my life. You know what I'm drawn to that's not healthy. You know nutrients that need to be in my life. Whatever it is, God, today I, I want to get back on track with you at the center. I want to get those pieces back where they should be. I want to hear the orchestra play in a beautiful harmony in my life. Lord Jesus, would you just renew me today? Heavenly Father, we pray that that would be true for all of us today, that we would seek to be renewed in you daily, and it starts today. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. It is a joy.